California. What's up, everybody? Welcome to A Talk in the Attic. I'm your host, Kirk Ross, coming at you from my studio in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Today is Friday, July 31st, 2020. I repeat, July 31st, 2020. I hate to belabor the point, but it's important that I make clear that it truly is 2020 because my guest today, Jonathan Todd Hilty, is here to discuss photography. But this photography is unlike anything the world has ever seen. Well, in about 90 years. That's right. John is an autochromist, which utilizes the world's first commercially viable color photography technology, the autochrome Lumiere, which first came to market in 1907. This is already a unique distinction. There aren't a lot of autochromists out there these days, but what really sets John apart is that he has created a custom process, thereby enabling him to once again make autochrome plates. Essentially, and for now, think of autochrome plates as the blanks that are ready to receive a camera imprint, almost like thick glass film. The autochrome technology left the market prior to World War II when much less cumbersome and much cheaper technology replaced it. And before long, autochromes went completely obsolete. Gone. Until in 2016, a young man from Northeast Ohio living right here in Grand Rapids decided he was bringing it back. And he's done it. Making him truly Literally and absolutely the only person on planet Earth currently making autochrome Lumiere plates. For real, it's an attic first to welcome a guest who is literally the only person alive doing his or her craft. Certainly every guest and every person in general is unique and brings a completely unique vibe to the universe, of course, but John is taking that to a whole new level. Our conversation is nerdy as hell, it's super informative, it's funny, and above all, inspiring. I am so sincerely excited for y'all to hear it. We've got some great music, a few great comedy bits from my heroes. We do talk about some highly esoteric, antiquated technology, so to help guide you through the discussion, I've posted a bunch of images to the official Instagram page of A Talk in the Attic. I'd highly encourage you to check those out. Not only are they great to look at, but they'll also help you learn right alongside me as I learned. I'd like to thank the Michigan Podcasting Network for their support. As always, shout out to my friend Joe Jenneman, the incredibly talented musician responsible for the theme song at the top. He's got some new work coming out very soon. I can't wait to hear that. Please, please, please write a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Look, leaving a review is awesome, but writing a few words alongside it is even better. Thanks for your continued support. It's been such a fun ride so far. But without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Jonathan Todd Hilty, antiquarian photographer. Let's start the show. John Hilty, antiquarian photographer? I don't know. 
antiquarian. I've never, yeah. Because it's anti. Because it's anti. An it's antique like antique process. processes. Yeah, I, I've never thought of a good name like analog photography, but that I don't know. I don't like that term. He's saying he's using antiquated photography equipment, and what you're probably you're probably picturing one of those old flash things that like makes the big sparks. <laughs> when I think of old photography, I think of those oh, old yeah, flashes. Oh yeah, they're holding the thing, and it goes like. <laughs> Yeah. Talk about the technology that you're using just right from the jump. Let's just talk about that right from the jump. The one I'm doing right now? Yeah. Man, I've done a lot of different stuff. You what's know? your favorite? What's the, what's my, the flavor right now that you're My favorite into? is the one I've been posting, Autochromes. They're special because uh, no one else can really do them right now. Explain what it is. Autochromes, it's a French process. 1907, it's the first commercial color process. So they could kind of make color pictures before, maybe like 1850 they had some, but they were never good. A lot of try, a lot of the time they uh they couldn't figure out how to make them stop being sensitive to light so you, you can really look at them you know? yeah they get like over overexposed yeah 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 they they like had like it was some world's fair you know they had these in like mid 1850s and like they had like candles lighting it but that's it it's, you you couldn't do it so we don't have any any of those today right. but this 1907 it's the first commercially successful color process you know right and it's it's stable you can look at the pictures and definitely and yeah like you don't see them in museums because like technically they they got dyes in them and if you're shining light through them all the time they fade but for the most part like i got some old ones yeah i'll I'll show you in a little bit yeah um yeah it's vivid so so explain there's a lot of most i would say almost everyone listening has no idea even the digital photographers out there a lot of them probably have no idea really the science of photography the, the photon buckets and all this other thing can you explain just the general process of what taking an autochrome photo using that technology really is like pragmatically what is it yeah so autochromes are kind of weird um so like they had black and white and um you know black and white came out the first daguerreotypes i got a couple of those i can show you too Hmm. you know 1839 that's when that hit it was all black and white up until 1907 or whatever for a long time these processes were only sensitive to blue so a lot of times when you look at pictures and they're like their eyes look weird or they just look weird in general, it looks off. Yeah. It's because it was only getting the blue wavelengths, you know. That's why there's such bad contrast and all that. Yeah, yeah, the contrast is weird, and that's why like a lot of times, like even like the the papers when the dark room and you got the red light on, you know, it's because not sense it's only sensitive to blue. Yeah. So they figured out how to make it sensitive to other wavelengths in the spectrum. You could get a full they call it panchromatic, you know, all colors. Yeah. Um, but still, there was black and white. And these guys, the the Lumiere brothers. Lumiere means light, by the way. These are French guys. But their name is actually Lumiere. Yeah, yeah. But the name, the word Lumiere, Lumen or whatever, came before their name, right? L- Lumen, yeah. Lumen's like a measurement of brightness or something. I don't right. know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, their, their name was Lumiere. It's super fitting. They're like dad owned like uh, one of these black and white. They did the glass plates. You know, they make them. They inherited the business and they were smart. I think they invented kind of like movies too oh shit but they didn't like capitalize on it they, they didn't think it was gonna go anywhere <laughs> yeah so, black and white pictures so, that's it they struck out on that one but <laughs> there's no money in movies uh, um yeah but uh but they did figure out you know they they figured out color and, and what they did well before that okay this is gonna be rambling no it's okay you're gonna it's have to a- edit this no. jamie jamie we're gonna need to edit this a little bit <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 this is a one-man shop. I'm, I mean, honestly, the co- conversations sound better and more realistic and more intimate when they mm. kind of bounce around. They figured out in like 1860 that you could make colors out of like like you can make like any color out of like three colors, right? James Clerk Maxwell, he's like a physicist, and he figured that out. This is our the RGB concept. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yep, and they and they knew that. 
but they never really figured out how to like apply it. It took forever. And these guys were like the guys who were like were able to like to do it in like a, a financially reasonable way. Right. And what they did, so they took this they called emulsion. You know, it's it's the the photosensitive part. It's only black and white. But they took it and they put it on top of like a layer of like potato starch. And they dyed it red, blue, and violet. And that emulsion will like mask out certain colors and let only just filter basically. Yeah, it filters it out. So like on your like your computer or whatever, if you have like a green pixel, it's because the green parts lit up, you know, and the other two aren't. Right. And this it's it's kind of doing the same way, but it's just kind of a random pattern on it. So so were they colorizing photos and even it's for like artistic reasons, even though it didn't really match what the real colors look like in the, to the real eye. Well, like to our eye. It, it, it's usually a pretty close match because like the, the reason this like three color thing works is because like our eyes only have three colors it's crazy so like your brain does all the work there um, but that's why like if you mix red and yellow together right. or if you look at something that's like the color orange like the orange wavelength yeah. it looks exactly the same you know your eye can't tell apart right so this process is you know it's abusing that concept um, they were the first people to like market it and that was, and were they the ones that ultimately led to the autochrome plate stuff? Or? Yeah, it's the full process is autochrome Lumiere. Holy smokes! And then, and, and did they ultimately commercialize it to the point where they were making money off selling it, or was it kind of they're just attributed for the technology, yeah. the scientific in, improvements? Yeah. So there are like other processes. I have like another one that it, 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 I think is cool as hell. But are we allowed to say bad words in this program? Of course. This is a family friendly, friendly <laughs> it's, No, I, sometimes it's not good. No, no. <laughs> I, <laughs> There's an explicit check mark that I can click, but I don't think hell is going to make that thing. You no, can say fuck, okay. you can say whatever you want. I will say fuck. Yeah. yeah, so this was like this is like a super widespread process. Like you can see almost any color photograph from like 1907 to like mid-1920s, it's probably an autochrome. And, and to identify it, can you see because you see that plate thing in the picture usually? Yeah, usually you can. So, yeah, so it's like a special. You want to just yeah, bust this out bust right it now? Out, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So it's like a color slide. Like you got to hold up to the light to see. But if you look closely at anything white, if you're like staring real close, you can see the you blue, red, and green. So I'm hold, John brought a box of good goodies for show and tell. I'm gonna look in the show notes for some links. I don't know exactly what they're gonna be, so just look there. But he handed me kind of a jagged piece of glass <laughs> that is essentially a pol- like the original Polaroid. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you don't shake it, and it doesn't print out off your camera or anything, but it's a heavy, big – this is a very cumbersome photo, but it is a color photo. Of, yeah. I'm looking at one of lily pads now. You'll see that in the show notes too. So your camera what, – what, what is the output of your camera that you're using that ultimately leads to getting on the glass? It's that exact plate. So that, gla- that piece goes in the camera – so there's a lot of things that goes into this, right? So you have that light-sensitive part. And in, in the light-sensitive part, the emulsion, like I said, it was only sensitive to blue normally. So you add dyes, very, very special dyes that make it sensitive to green and red, mm. too. Mm. you got to add them in the right proportion because if you add too much, then, you know, that's too yellow or whatever. And this is pre-photo? Yeah. Okay. So, the, so this is – yeah, yeah, exactly. So here, actually, this is a blank screen. So that's what the light sensitive part goes on. So there's oh, there nothing. There are little dots of red, green, and blue in here. Or yeah. Blue. So that's that would be white. That's that's what you know with no image on top. That's how it starts out. Right. And you coat the black and white part on. It's you know it's masking out. You know it's a big black deposit over you know the parts of that shouldn't be that color or whatever. Right. It's like a two day process making the emulsion. You gotta. It's a lot of trial and error. You don't know how it's going to turn out until you, you throw it on a piece and, and shoot it. So, like, right. like the one I was shooting when you, when you walked by, like, I was, 
I was trying different, I have different color filters, you know, I'm trying to adjust it. Cause like, these are like naturally, they're like way, they're super blue. Yeah. Like if I didn't have any color correction or whatever, it's crazy. Is that blue. what reality is? Our brain is filtering shit on top of that? Is everything kind of blue? <laughs> like, do we um, really know what the color content is of stuff oh, actually is? Oh man, I've talked, I've read about this before. It's like so, the sun, I think it's like, it's green slightly or something like that. So like your Mind brain blowing. like corrects a little bit. It's like, you know, like what is white? You have like the the subjective perception of what your eyeballs are going to see versus like an actual like even line across the spectrum. Right. But there's a yeah. nugget in there, John, that you said that yeah. I think is important to dig into. It takes two days to set the emulsion correctly. Mm-hmm. It takes a couple minutes to hold the thing in pl- to, to hold the camera and take the image. Mm-hmm. You have to then go to a next a post processing process i imagine yeah yeah uh how long is that process uh it takes like 15 minutes usually in the dark room so you're talking you got a few days into this bad boy oh, for yeah. one picture not to mention the years of training and whatever yeah. other nerding out that you did to learn about this shit yeah some people are listening are gonna probably appreciate that you're willing to put this time into it but at the same time instagram is a huge app everyone's taking photos on their phone now everyone's got seven thousand pictures of their trip to jamaica last year that no one's ever going to look at uh, because it can take them so instantly, and therefore there's really no re- requirement or investment in it to care about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. What drives you to going the opposite of that, which is really having to put this huge investment into it, and how, how do you kind of reconcile that with the, the immediacy available these days? Yeah, sure. So, like, I think if, like, a couple years, like, knowing what I know now, if I would have been like, John, you like these, you only like processes that, like, you can't make copies of, right? So this <laughs> is a positive process, right? It's like what you shoot is what you get. That's That's the piece. I would have been like, nah, whatever. But it's like, it's true. Like, I, I started with, like, Polaroid, like, old Polaroids, you know? And there's something something cool about that. There's something cool about imbuing a scene on an object. Definitely. Like, forever. It's like it's like a moment in time, you know, that it's it's been, like, applied to something you can, like, pick up and hold and look at. I totally, I, I used to go to Japan for work a lot, and I went to the Peace Museum in Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. And there's a famous piece of wall that they have in there where there's a kid holding a balloon oh shit and when the atomic bomb went off yeah it exposed the wall basically and you can see like a black and white shadow of this of the scene yeah you know talk about like a moving kind of surreal thing uh but that was kind of my first foray into like the idea of what really is a photo actually Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it really is just shining a really bright light at something and in that case imprinting it on another surface right which is what you're doing but Something that maybe the folks at home aren't haven't don't know the ones that don't know you already is that you're a chemic you're a chemistry nerd really I am yeah huge chemistry nerd yeah. <laughs> and so and that's what, is that what drove you to to photography to begin with give a little bit about how you got into photography and when yeah sure so um, I started in high school um, I mentioned earlier like I, one of my friends was in a black and white photography class and I was like yeah sure I'll do it like whatever I had, I don't know I'd never, I hadn't done photography before that or anything like that. And, there were what? Um, there were girls or both or some. What, what, there, there, there was a girlfriend involved too. I was <laughs> like, yeah, I'm gonna take that. Yeah. Most non-artists that get into art, it's some girl situation. <laughs> <laughs> it's the reason I know French too. It's oh, like, of course. <laughs> so now, now you're like, now you know a French process for color photos. It's like really just putting. Oh, talking about making you a lady killer. That's legit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really into archaic, uh, antiquated, uh, but French for photog- Ooh, I like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this was just, it was black and white, like, you, you shoot on film, you develop in the dark room. I, I liked chemistry, but I wasn't good at it. But, like, there's something about, like, uh, you, you know how, like, the black and white, normal black and white prints work? 
No, and I not only do I not, but most people at home probably don't too. So give it on, lay it on. All right, guys, get ready. <laughs> All right, so so normal film, you like you shoot it, the the parts that like light hits on the the film, it like it like strikes a little. It's like silver halide, so it's actually a little silver crystal. And uh, when you develop it, that turns black. So that's usually why you get like uh, when it's negative, because like the, the more light hit a certain place like the, the darker more, it is yeah, yeah 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 the more like silver like metallic silver chunks are like sitting in there all right so you get a negative and uh when you make a print you take that negative and you put it in it's almost like a like a it's a projector you know you put so it so you up, backlight it yeah you backlight it and you project it and you have it's the exact same process you're taking a negative of a negative and that's how you get your positive right and, and that's why you said this is a positive process meaning that's your output that's it's, like the, it's special yeah because it doesn't do that yeah. whereas film the re- more reproducible ones produce negatives yeah can you produce a negative off of a positive though, theoretically? You yeah, I think you can. It usually gets weird because you end up just like taking a picture of a, a positive. Picture. Yeah, <laughs> it, there. I don't think there's like Very a good meta. way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite part because you take that you take the piece of paper and, and the paper is not sensitive because this is only black and white at this point. Um, so this is red light. It's not. It's sensitive to blue and green. And you put it in the developer and you wait. It's just a big tray. And just like comes up over like 10, 20 seconds. And I always thought that was like so cool. That, I've seen that in so many movies where that yeah. just seems so cool. I know. I love doing that. And so like I just – that started me down the rabbit hole. Um, and I love like – I don't know if you'd call me a maker. But like I, I like just doing stuff. I like – I guess I like making stuff. I don't yeah, know. I'm the same way, yeah. I got – I really got started on this like this whole do-it-yourself stuff because there was this dude – I used to go to flea markets a lot. And I was looking at these old cameras where he had like a big box and he was like – Twenty dollars and let you have it all, and I was like, "Oh, this box!" And he was like, "No, all of it." I don't know if he was trying to get rid of evidence or something like that, but like, it was a whole dark this room. Mur- I committed a murder two hundred and twenty years ago with yeah. this camera. <laughs> it's probably just because he didn't know. He probably got some state sale or something, and it, was any of it in working order? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a whole dark room set. It, it was like the only thing I had to buy was like tongs and like the chemistry, you know. So it was awesome. So yeah, uh, I, I. I had a big brain. I had all this knowledge. I had like three years of like high school Damn. experience um, just screwing around at the photo lab. So <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. I took it all home. I still got a pilot. Mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did this. I like took – there's this big closet like outside my room. Or not. I was not big at all. It was tiny. And I just took all this stuff out. Didn't ask permission or whatever. And I just like – that was the only place. That was your and, studio. Yeah. Studio. It was like the only room in the house that didn't have like a window. Yeah. You know? So like, man, I, I remember her being like – she was like mad at me. But she didn't like – she didn't like punish me for it. I think she was just very disappointed, you know. <laughs> she uh, probably knew like if you, she kicked you out of that room, you're gonna go fuck up some other room. <laughs> probably, you know? yeah. A lot of the musicians listening at home or any vocal people know that the the coat closet is a really good spot to record vocals. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so you're not the only artist type person who has ever like commandeered a, a coat closet to yeah. make art. You know? <laughs> Yours might have been a little more disruptive than just going in there with a the microphone. Yeah, I know. I know. One time, I learned there was like a certain one of the developers I use. Like it stains wood floor, and I didn't know that until after it stained the wood floor. Mom, again, I'm sorry if you're listening. I'm sorry about that stain on the floor. I think it's still there. Yeah. Well, once you're a super famous antiquarian <laughs> photographer, it's yeah. gonna, you know that that floor could be sold for. A yeah, 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 cut it up. Yeah, <laughs> take a picture of it. <laughs> so, so you were at that point kind of focusing on that original process, which is. The one that's always depicted in movies and show, in mm-hmm. shows. So that must have been a kind of long round. That dark room developer, that kind of process is pretty common and long running, I imagine. What do you mean by long running? Like they've what? been using it for a while? It seems like, yeah. It yeah, seems yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That one seems like it had been in, it seems like just because of the amount of 
images I can see of it. The fact that I know of it and never have ever stepped foot in a dark room. Yeah, for kind of sure. implies the prevalence of it. Yeah, right? they've been using that. Oh, yeah, probably since turn of the century, you know, nineteen hundreds and stuff. I think Kodak. Kodak was the ones that like invented like film. You know, it was all glass plates before that, and I so mean, yeah, they've probably been doing it that way forever. Yeah, dude. So, at what point in here did you say, okay, I've, I've spent twenty dollars now? And I've got pretty much everything I need. You probably never got a better deal than that twenty dollars dark room set. Probably, probably not. In, your, in the history of your life. <laughs> yeah. And so now to to find old equipment, have you learned the actual mechanical part of it well enough to where you can do a lot of repair and stuff, or to the actual the the equipment? Kind of. I don't really use that equipment anymore. I don't do like the the black and white prints and but stuff. But even your camera now has to be an out, old camera unit, right? Oh man, no. This disappoints so many people because they see me walking around that that Bellows camera you saw me with, and they're like, "Oh man, how old's your camera?" I get that question every time I go out, and it was made in like 2007. It was like a Chinese company. <laughs> just so. say 07. <laughs> and then, they, they'll probably then I'll just assume like, oh, 19. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. <laughs> So, so is this a common? Is it what you're doing now? You're gonna name numerous one, but let's talk about the autochrome right, yeah. Lumiere one. So, are a lot of folks out there doing this technology, doing no, this stuff right now? No, the autochrome. There's like a couple people like trying. What do you mean a couple people? There's like one guy in the UK that I'm in touch <laughs> Literally with. Literally a couple people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this was an industrial process. So like a lot of these processes. Well, I'll go through all of them, but like a lot of them were like they're like artisan. Um, you know, like people, like photographers back in the day, like photographers were like chemists too. And they were doing this stuff by hand. They could make it. And like the autochrome process was like almost like purely an industrial process. You know, it's like the autochrome factory in in France made this and that's it. And what were the, who was using that to make photos? Oh, tons of people. The, the, the consumers. Yeah. And business, um, marketing companies and all that. It was expensive, but yeah, this is the first time. Like, uh, one of the reasons I, I like, love, I love old autochromes too, because, like, a lot of them are, like, it's not someone, like, trying to make art. It's, like, it's like for, for the first time in your life, you can take a picture of your family and, like, the sky's blue and the trees are green, you know, and your family looks kind of gray because they didn't have the colors totally right, but... It had to be mind-blowing to those people. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was some crazy stuff. And there, There's a weird psychological feeling you have when you look at a picture of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I imagine when you, especially if it's the first picture ever, that before you can even have such a thing, it had to be such a surreal moment for those people. Yeah. Because it, it kind of makes you, puts you in a, you're looking at yourself. There's kind of a spiritual vibe to that or something. Oh, man, let's build off of that. The first process, all right? Daguerreotype. Louis Daguerre invented it. He worked on it for like years. But another he, Frenchman? There's another. These are like all French guys. The French guys, they know their photography, okay? They did it for a while. They, they were on top of it. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, in fact, yeah, let me, let me show you right now. This, yeah. this is an original one. So 1840s, 1850s. Daguerreotypes, they were literally a mirror. Yeah, it's a mirror. So you might have to angle that maybe at your shirt or some dark object because, like... <laughs> They're never smiling back in these days. This yeah. reminds me of a Norm MacDonald joke <laughs> that I'm going to splice in right go, now. Go ahead. What about in the old days when they took pictures of you way, way back, you know, where they pulled that thing and it exploded and stuff? <laughs> I got a picture of my great-grandfather. The thing took six hours to uh, take your picture. And uh, it was a picture of my great-grandfather, one. They only had... Every guy had one picture back then. <laughs> and it's just him, like. <laughs> I gotta get back, feed them hogs. <laughs> Who's gonna feed the hogs? <laughs> Somebody gotta feed them hogs. Now, 
In the future, of course, it'll be different. 50 years from now, people will be going like, hey, you want to uh, see 100,000 pictures of my great-grandfather? <laughs> I got him right here. Plus everything he did every day of his life. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, dude, that's crazy. So, what is the, the that really the mirror of this the daguerreotype? That really has a really like you're looking at yourself vibe because you literally are looking at yourself because it's a mirror. Yeah, <laughs> like I I think that, I don't this did not this did not uh, stick with it, but they they call it like memory mirrors or something. You know, it kind of makes sense. Like, it, yeah, it kind of imprints a moment in time. Yeah. And then, like, you know, no one's ever seen a photograph before. That must have been mind-blowing. Man, I look, do I look that fat in real life? Yeah. Is that, like, did, did, the camera, did the cameras add 30 pounds back then? Um, Probably more. Yeah. <laughs> more, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe cameras, can. I hate to put this on, I hate to put this burden on you and your field, but yeah. is it possible that the obesity problem is really a result of cameras? <laughs> Are we actually gaining weight? <laughs> Uh, we could mention real quick. Yeah, these are these are pretty hardcore to make. I don't want to take this apart. Yeah. So this is like this is like a piece of copper with like rolled with like a silver, right? It's literally like a silver sheet, and they like polish the shit out of it until it's mirror like. And okay. they would take it, and uh, you know like elemental bromine, elemental iodine, they're like nasty compounds, right? Because bromine and iodine like on its own, like when it bonds to stuff, it's usually not that bad. Mm-hmm. But like. When it's in an elemental form, it like it wants to bond to anything. Like if you like breathe it in, it'll like cauterize your lungs. Nasty Jesus, stuff. Jesus, yeah. So they would take that because like the one I, I mentioned earlier, like silver halide crystals. You know, they figured out in 1839, and to this day we're still using it. Those are the light sensitive part. So they take the silver, and they would like have this like box, and they would slide it in, and it would fume it with like the elemental bromine and then elemental iodine. So dangerous. Yeah. It's it's not it's not it's not nice stuff. Right. <laughs> and then when they would make the exposure, because that's light sensitive at that point, they take it out, put in the camera, shoot someone with the camera, right. and uh, and then they would boil mercury, and the mercury vapor would bond with it. So like the parts that got exposed to light, like little mercury droplets would. So and that's and then those stayed on there, or then they. Yeah, because once like mercury is like in like metal, like it kind of stabilizes. Yeah, it's in like silver fillings and stuff, you know, or like it used to be. When it's once it's like in the in it's an amalgam or amalgam or something like that, it's pretty safe. So like this, like yeah. you know, it's we're not gonna die right. This. But yeah. boiling mercury, that's not that's not good for your health. Well, you could, as you're saying all this, you can understand why it was completely commercially un- unviable. Yeah, you know who's going to be able to even do that safely, let alone have the equipment and the, you know. So, so back then, what there's just a handful of photographers around doing all the work. Yeah, you'd have like someone set up a studio in like Paris or you'd, uh, I don't know, maybe like ten. I'm not really sure. I'm not the historian here, but yeah. like there weren't that many people. Like people weren't walking around taking. You know, it was like the photographer that was like his job. You know, like you have like there's probably so many bad the photographers too. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, like oh, he's the only guy in the country. I guess we got to use. Him. <laughs> Yeah. I have man, I have one. I feel bad. It's like it's almost this size, and it's like exposed real bad. And I'm like, man, I feel sorry for that family. It, these used to cost like a month's wages. Back oh, then. And God forbid you break one of those, you get seven yeah. years bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just a, it's a dangerous proposition if you don't get die of mercury poisoning. Yeah. So people before you're you're 29, I'm 35. Mm-hmm. I have older brothers and sisters. I, I'm pretty sure my brother, who's like in his early 40s. Remember, like playing with mercury in science class. Yeah, I don't. By the time I got there, that was not the 
Mercury is known to be kind of a dangerous com- uh, compound. Do you ever remember playing with Mercury? So, like, I have a little bit. Yeah. So, like, I never played with it. But I know my dad was like, he was like, yeah, I used to play with that stuff all the time. And I'm fine. And it's like, eh, all right. But, for now. So, like, my, my thoughts on Mercury, because there, there's, like, another process, too, that uses it. I don't use it anymore. But, like, usually the people who are, like, super freaked out about it are probably, like, overdoing it. But usually the people who are like, ah, it's like, no, you're you're being dumb. You're you're not being safe. There's no, yeah, you're either you're looking at it too lightly, or you're probably a little bit overly safe. Yeah, you're better air on the hair, high side, but particularly if you have kids around. Yeah, there, it is cool looking though. It's like it looks like metal, like liquid metal. It's like yeah, man. It's um, uh, it's probably my favorite element. It's like the coolest one. You know what's your favorite element? <laughs> I have a I have a memory where a science teacher. <laughs> asked us in seventh or eighth grade what the what our favorite element was, mm-hmm. and this kid raised his hand who t- hadn't gone through puberty yet. So I'm not I'm not teaching him for that. It just is what it is. But when you're a seventh grade kid, it was extra funny. He raised his hand and said, "Ah, oh, my favorite element is sulfur or something." And like that, that's a phrase that my friends and I still will say. Like if any, so actually, my favorite element is, I would say is sulfur, just okay. to, to honor that memory. Sulfur is cool. I still use that a lot in photography. I feel like. Helium is really cool because, you know, it fucks with your voice. It's yeah. the first noble gas. Yeah. It's twice as heavy as hydrogen and less dangerous. Helium, I yeah. assume. Yeah, it doesn't blow up. This is a, a lot less. For those of you tuning in, you're thinking, we had Obi and, uh, Obi and Rick from the Street Brokers in a couple weeks ago talking about rap. Now we're talking about <laughs> elements. This is what you get when you come to the attic. It's a, it's a broad spectrum. What is your end game? Like, how do you feel about your photography? So, I guess when you're doing digital work, mm-hmm. let's talk digital. It's free. Yeah. Once you buy your eight hundred dollar phone or whatever that you're on a payment plan for, you can take unlimited photos, do unlimited editing to it. The depth isn't always good. The photos aren't always great, but you can kind of work on your composition skill set in terms of actually the artistic side of photography. Mm-hmm. And you're a chemical engineer by nature, a chemical, a chemistry nerd by kind of background. Yeah. And you also are doing a lot of setup. These aren't quick things. So how do you get, are you good at taking pictures? Are you a good photographer? Um, I don't, I don't consider myself a good photographer just in the way that like, I feel like I don't, I don't have too much creativity to express yet. Right now it's very simple. I'm like, I have a color process. I want to take pictures of flowers. I'm going to do it. You know? Yeah. So like in that sense, like, I don't want to say that eh, maybe uninspired. You could say that in the, in that. So like that, that's going to be the ultimate goal for me is to I don't have any ideas for a theme you know uh to show my pictures or whatever I love making them you know I I think it's so fun and so like you you have to think about so much before you before you do that especially with these because if you screw up the exposure there's not much you can do to save it you have to get it right when you shoot it right so I don't consider myself a good photographer yet yet but that is your goal Mm -hmm. do you have any interest in coming up into the modern stuff no, I don't throw shade at people who right. do digital work. It takes a lot of skill to do digital work. I just personally, I just don't have fun doing it. 
and it kind of goes into something with like the Instagram thing you were talking about. It, it, it's fine. Like if you take pictures, you take a lot of pictures. It's so easy to take pictures, and some people, you know, brought, they enjoy that, right. and that's totally fine. But like for me personally, I feel bad because like my parents bought me as a graduation gift. They got me like a it was a Rebel T three I. It was like a six hundred dollar camera. It was my parents didn't have that much money, right? So like that was like super cool. And I, I still have it, and I, I just use it to take pictures of the ones that I make now. You know, I just didn't. I so you, just, so you light those somehow on like a light box or something, and then take a picture of that specifically, and that's, yeah. that's how you post it to your Instagram. Is that how you do it? Mm-hmm. Set it on a light box, basically. These, yeah, yeah. I built like a special little viewer for it. It's on loan right now. I actually, so like the first photograph I've ever shown, right now, it's on. Oh man, uh, check the show notes for that. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I don't remember where it's at. Somewhere. Is it you, so you have it up in a gallery right now? Yeah, not in Grand Rapids. It's in like South Carolina. But like, I had to build a special viewer for this thing, you know. Yeah. Um, I had to make a. I had to program like a little Arduino to do like uh, motion capture because like you can't light it all the time because oh. like the light's bad for it. Right. But you don't want people touching it because you know, the COVID stuff. You know, it's not good. <laughs> so. So you just have like a little motion sensor, and then once that happens, it fires off the circuit. Yeah, it, it goes for like thirty seconds if it sees someone standing in front of it. Yeah. So in that regard, that's kind of a modern concept with an antiquated uh, medium. If yeah, you yeah. There's a lot of stuff like around this that's very modern. A lot of, I don't know. I wouldn't call it like engineering because I don't. I don't write down numbers and stuff. Or you're, you're a mechie, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that's like the most daunting thing about the autochrome process. The starch when it goes on, they're they're little like the little spheres. They're not like flat. Oh. And so like in the in the autochrome factory, they had like this like this special like press machine that would like roll across it and like flatten them out because, without like, without crack like very lightly without cracking the glass. Yeah, without yeah. cracking the glass. Right. And that's like one of the most like daunting things about the process because like you know you go online, you be, people have been saying this is an impossible process to recreate for like years. Mm-hmm. And one of the things was like, oh, this press would apply like, you know, it's like, you know, two, two tons per square centimeter of pressure and blah, blah, blah. And at least me with like a, a bad engineering background, I'm like, okay, well, you make the roller really small. That's not, right. that's not that much pressure. Right. I use like a CNC machine with like a roller. I don't have, I took the. Oh yeah. But you can be so precise with your CNC too. That you don't have to worry about over travel or anything. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I took the, the router out. And just like I have, like I have a laser cutter too, and I made like this little piece that fits in with like a little, little roller wheel. That's awesome. And it just it takes forever. It takes fifteen minutes to do one of these, but like it'll roll back and then hop over and then roll. You know, without any any overlap. Oh, there's a lot of overlap. A lot of just overlap. But you don't really care. Are you looking for an even film build of that stuff when when it's down? Ideally, yeah. It's um, you, you want to get it like pressed because it, you can like you can apply enough pressure to like smash these out completely. Cause you don't want any um, white space in between the particles. Cause like the more white space is getting through like the less saturated your picture is going to be. Right. So, and the problem is I'm running into, it's really hard. It's because like you can apply so much force before you break the glass. So I'm just like, just barely above that, you know. <laughs> Have you broken the glass? I've broke so much glass. During setup of the programming or, yeah. or even after? Yeah, it's like when, um, if I like lose home on the Z-axis or something, like I got to sit down there for like five plates because like I've walked away before and like if it cracks the glass and I'm like upstairs like doing something and I, I come back like 45 minutes later and it's like, it just like powderized the whole thing. <laughs> like yeah. there's like so much glass, like the, the rollers shot cause it's got, you know, it's been out plastic cause it's all scratched up and stuff. You need like a very a smooth, smooth roller. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're like, you're, you're talking about surface area and pounds per square inch or whatever. So like, 
that isn't a super revolutionary concept. The smaller you make it, the less force it'll take. But mm-hmm. are other people doing that? Like, is there a is there some sort of industry or some sort of innovation that you are interested in being involved with with the, with this process or these old processes? Yeah, I think I'm like I'm sort of in like a unique position that like I just had this like this chemistry and this this engineering background too, and I, I like I'm able to tackle this process. Yeah. As far as like I, I would love to sell them. I'm sort of gearing up. I have like a list of like five people who are interested in buying some plates. And are these people that are interested in the history of it in the in the, in the museum kind of in a museum type element, or are they interested in viewing it? Or do you know what I'm saying? Like it's not it's not that easy to view. It's um, it's a very different kind of viewing experience than like looking at a big printout of a. You know you, you know what I'm saying. It's hard to see. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, what I mean to say is I, I'm like looking to like make these and like sell them for, to people to like shoot themselves. Uh. You know, make their own autochromes. It hasn't been done since 1930. That's when the factory shut down. So, so, so what is so what exactly are, will you be making then? I'll be making like everything everything up into I would normally put in a camera. So it, it's making the the blank thing, coating it with the, the light sensitive part. So it's essentially the glass film, which it's not really you what it is. That, but, yeah. it, but to someone listening, it looks like a it's a th- four by three, three by four or something uh, piece of glass that is essentially your positive unlike a negative of film, but it's essentially your photo. And you put that directly in the camera. So you'd be doing the pre-photo pr- plate production, and those those are what are called autochrome plates. Yes. Those are the things you're making, and those are the things that only a couple people are doing in the world. No one else, really? Yeah. Don't be humble. It's uh, true. It's to okay. your knowledge. To your knowledge. I'm going to de-humble myself. I'm the only person making these right now. Dude, um, that's fucking awesome. That, that this, does that give you a weird, kind of a surreal feeling? It feels good. Are you a time traveler? I don't, I don't think so, man. I wish I was, dude. I had so many questions for the Lumiere brothers. Like, <laughs> like, I've been. There's like this problem with like this shit wrinkling up. They're probably just like clip binder clips, you dummy. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like so many questions I'd love to ask them. That's one thing that it's like really cool. Um, that like kind of keeps me going. And like, I don't think it's good. Like, if you're, like, really invested in something, like, a hobby or something, you should probably do it for yourself. Yeah. So, like, it, it's not good to do it just for, like, Instagram likes or whatever. But I got to say, the Instagram likes are helping. Yeah, right. And uh, you get that little dopamine rush. It feels good to, like, be – I, like, ideally, I have accepted that, like, maybe I'll be a good photographer someday. I won't be the best. It'd be super cool to be just the guy that was able to bring the process back and make it – because I, I, I keep yeah. everything I've found out. Um, you know, I publish on the internet. I'm working on a guide. So, so you're you're not so much interested in keep protecting your work product. You kind of want to bring it back. Yeah, I want anyone anyone who wants to do this. Um, I want them to if they feel like they're driven enough to be able to tackle it because it's hard. That's the thing. It's not like it's not like one of the everyone wants to get into digital photography because they can do it quickly and by the end of the day, you might have something that looks pretty decent up mm-hmm. on Instagram. Like not very few, very few people are gonna like be able to really even consider conceptualizing this concept. Yeah, I'm not. This I'm not selling to like a wide audience. It's not gonna here. be a big bandwagon <laughs> of you know. It's really interesting. My my Tuesday show from this week, John, was about actually I, I did it kind of about this wall over here, and I talk about how at times I can get anxious about that this whole project up here because when I, I think about all this, all the stuff that has to happen, and oh man, I, like anxiety comes out of that. When I start focusing on just a single individual block that I make cutting and sanding and putting up, it's very easy. It's kind of like I'm doing the work. And that kind of ties in the way I tied it into the, to the episode was that as pub, the public is getting more anxious, we're all getting more anxious because we have way more time on our hands than we used to. You know. Mm-hmm. And do you think that some element of why you enjoy this is that it's slow 
and that you do have to turn off your phone and that you do have to focus on it and you do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like once what I'm like figuring this out. So like there were like there the Lumiere Lumiere notes. Like there are like actual lab notes were like published. Um so that was translated? One, yeah. So, some of it was translated, um but that was some part that like actually knowing French helped, you yeah. know, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um they published it. But there was so much that, like, I had to figure out on my own, too. You know, I couldn't ask them. Like, once I figure something out and it becomes, like, almost like a monotonous. It's not monotonous, but, like, it it can be very relaxing. Yeah, because you kind of can just put your mind, you kind of know the process. You kind of, it's, like, repetitive, Mm -hmm. and then you can kind of just go on it. Yeah, once you're finally, like, once I'm at a point where, like, you can turn your brain off, it's like, okay, I have, like, you know, like, ten of these things. I coated it with a sticky varnish, and I'm just going to take scoops of starch and brush it on you know it takes a little bit that's like it's nice it's relaxing turn on a podcast or something or some audiobooks turn on maybe a talk in the attic with kirk ross or yeah that other. yeah yeah put on some modest mouse i learned early on today in our in our preview that john likes modest mouse the other band he likes is crystal castles uh you're gonna hear both of those somehow in some somewhere in the show do you listen to music and podcasts when you're doing it or do you ever just go silent it's so like i i get like phases it's really it's kind of goofy this has not been a musical year for me like I like music, yeah. But like I, I don't, I don't connect with it at like an analytical level. So like I was listening to like the the Super Future episode that was like super cool listening to them talk about that. Yeah. But like I, I never get past. Hey, I like this song. It makes me feel good. Gives me a little dopamine rush when I listen to it. That's and that's all I need. Right. So like sometimes I like I'll just like go like nine months without just listening to music. Other than passively when you're in a store or something. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You can't get away from. I, I don't go out of my way to put it on. Right. You know, so I'm in the middle of one of those spells right now. But yeah, sometimes it's nice to jam out. Like you're staying up on a Friday night or whatever, and you got yeah drinking a few beers, and you're like, I got I got a couple things to develop. You know, that's pretty cool. <laughs> right. You're the only person. You're the first person I've ever had on the show. That's the only person doing something. Hmm. Right. Who knows? Maybe there's some weirdos that have been on the show that are doing some really weird shit that they're the only person doing <laughs> too. But they at least weren't public about it. So. I don't know. I don't know if I have a comment on that. That's really unique. That's cool. Do, do you feel kind of connected to the Lumiere brother the, when you're doing this or to Daguerre, Daguerre or whatever his name is? Yeah, yeah, the Lumiere guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, what they did, they did something that was like really, really cool, really revolutionary. So like it's not – I'm not saying that I am. You know, it's not revolutionary to like just do what a, you know someone – it's very much standing on the shoulder, shoulders it's of deriv- the It's derivative, but the fact that it went completely antiquated means that – it must be hard, mm-hmm. and you're up for the challenge because you, you're bringing it back. And not only are you interested in bringing it back, but you're interested in bringing it back for other people to experience too. Mm-hmm. And these people, you have five or eight people lined up. You said they're photographers, they're historians. Who are these people? Yeah, they're photographers for the most part. A lot of people, I think, they like the autochrome process. There were like later on, like 1915. You know, there were competitor processes, but like none of them had like a cult following that autochromes did. Because autochromes just like they looked interesting. Like they had, so like they they had that potato starch pattern. It was they brush it on. It's random dots. Yeah. Whereas like all the other ones were kind of mechanical in a way. Um, they they weren't washed out at the time, but they might yeah. not have held up. Right. So at the time they looked pretty good, but like they they had kind of a there it was like drawing lines on you know to produce the color or something like that. Right. And a lot of people I think nowadays look back on it. It's weird to see pictures from like world war one and stuff like that that were like um not colorized that it's actual true color and and the color response these plates had were a little weird so people look 
like their skin oftentimes looks very gray. Yeah. It looks otherworldly, very eerie. Dead. And I think a lot of people nowadays when they see it, a lot of times you'll come across these things. Like if you see a BuzzFeed article and it's like, these pictures were made with potatoes or something like that. That's what they're talking about. These are autochromes and they, they look very out of place. Yeah. You expect them to be black and white. You right. Know? I love seeing those photos. Like they, the History Channel for some reason has really a big investment into the Hitler series. Like, <laughs> yeah. It seems like they're all, they're talking yeah. about like the Okal and Hitler and all this other shit. We used shit. to call it the Hitler Channel. Yeah, the yeah. Hitler Channel. <laughs> then, then they also have like Pawn Stars and other random shit like that. Mm-hmm. Very historically accurate. So, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but... <laughs> But I do appreciate when I see like those old like prop- German propaganda videos and shit in color. Oh yeah, no, I it's, don't appreciate what they're striking, saying. To be right? clear, I do not appreciate what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, to see a guy, it's a Nazi site, but they have like the big vivid red shit. Mm-hmm. Is like, well, it is. It's jarring. It's weird because that... everything is black and white. I mean, I guess the first movie that the first commercial movie was Wizard of Oz, right? That yeah. was like the first commercially I think available black uh, color film. Around there, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that was like in the late 30s. Yeah, it's, it's still, it's striking though. Yeah, you're right. Like that would have been 40s and, and still like you expect it to be color. Or you expect, <laughs> I'm sorry, you expect it to be black you and white. You almost expect that those people were actually just walking around black and white. Yeah, yeah. Like they, it's not that the camera technology is old. It's just that that's how it looked back then. <laughs> you ever read Calvin and Hobbes? No, no, but I'm familiar with that. That was like one of them where like, he was like, hey dad, why were like, why were, why were old pictures black and white? And he was like, oh yeah, the, the world didn't have color until like the 1950s. <laughs> That's hilarious to think about. <laughs> my, one of my favorite, not one of my favorite, my favorite comedian of all time is Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, hell yeah. And, and he has a joke where he said, <laughs> I think Bigfoot is blurry. That's the problem. It's not the photographer's fault. Bigfoot is blurry. And that's extra scary to me because there's a large, out of focus monster <laughs> roaming the countryside. <laughs> 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 are going to be like, wow, this is weird. This guy's doing this. This is cool. Mm-hmm. He's doing his own thing. Let's try and think of a way to inspire those people to maybe not be so concerned about the prevalence of something. You're an example of someone doing something that's completely out of, completely antiquated mm-hmm. to the point where you're, as far as we know, you're the only guy really creating autochrome plates for the first time in 50 years or I don't know when, how long is that uh, point? Uh, 1930, 2020 minus 1930. Almost, yeah, 90 happens, yeah. years pre-World War II. You're the first guy since World War II to do this? Yeah. That's bizarre and cool. There's a lot of others. Maybe there's other activities that we've brushed over that we've put aside that we've replaced with instant, instantaneous replacements, but we're all mentally unwell now on the whole. Mm-hmm. So what else, you know what I'm saying? Like, how can we, I want to inspire people to go back to some of the old way. Let's do, let's do some of the older shit. Grow your own food. To bring it all together, I don't know. I liked your brick speech. The brick speech? The brick speech, right? About these? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would say the thing that got me going down this this rabbit hole that I am, because I'm deep in now, uncomfortably deep. You're probably never leaving. Um, No, I'm not coming back out, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like Gollum at this point. (laughs) So, like, when I got my dark room, right, and it it was just a closet or whatever, the developer 
like it oxidizes your oxygen gets in it ruins it it turns black you can't use it and it got me going down this rabbit hole because i was like this is expensive i don't have the money to replace it i was like can you make your own developer it's like you can it's actually like coffee vitamin c and like sodium carbonate which you can get from like target it's for like pools i yeah it's something like that you guys can look it up um don't if you if you screw it up it actually makes a pipe bomb so just be <laughs> yeah so so I, I made that on my own it's like oh cool I can make this myself and then and like it's significantly cheaper I imagine yeah it's oh, way not, slower it's not as not, good. not including your time and all that but yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's some people like it because it makes it in like nice sepia color you know nice right. brown the coffee stains it but like. It, I'm not going to say it's good, but it's like, it's cool. I'm like, I was able to like cobble these things together for cheap. I was able to like replace it and I was able to do it myself. And then like, I made like a pinhole camera, you know, out of like an Altoids tin. Oh, I shit. had like glued little things so you could take like 30 exposures or whatever. And it looked really cool. And I developed that with a coffee, um, the developer. And I just like, I just did it one step at a time. If you do just the light sensitive part on this, it's just a black and white negative. I did that in like 2013 or 2014. I made it with uh like kitchen stuff i had like i just had my basement i just shut the door and turned on some red lights it's my dark room right it was like super cool to be able to like do that yourself and so like like this autochrome hobby of mine like it's all been like figuring things out like one step at a time you yeah. know and like anyone who wants to get into this who's like kind of a maker and you think that's kind of cool you know you can that, that's how you can start yeah take it step by step mm-hmm. and you, you don't necessarily have to you didn't necessarily have the goal i'm sure you didn't have the goal at first that you're gonna end up being the only person making those absolutely not you, you know absolutely so you kind of just so you just have to trust follow what you feel like you're being productive with and you're enjoying the, the relaxation of it and yeah all of that. yeah without having without assigning some end game or some idea of success like what's your idea of success out of all this Man, I think I've got it. I don't know. I do too. Yeah. You like, may not have made any money yet, but like you, you kind of <laughs> definitely re- not. <laughs> you're right, but you, that doesn't necessarily mean it's unsuccessful. No, yeah. I really I really enjoy making this. If I never make any money from it or if I never make the money back, that's okay. But it, it's cool to be the guy. Yeah. It'll be cool to like to help other people. I'm hoping that other people are going to try it too cuz I can Definitely people are definitely going to be inspired by this. It's going to be kind of an esoteric group of people, you know, it's very. Small, a very specific group of people, but it's cool for me to see. It's cool, like I said, you're the only person that's ever been in this studio that's doing the only, that is the only person doing whatever they're mm-hmm. doing. That's cool, and I hope that those of you that are still listening, we we shut off a lot of potential things that we could do, or maybe that we even used to do as kids, because it's old or it's outdated or whatever. But that doesn't mean that there is an extreme value in that. That doesn't mean that mm-hmm. the output is important. But more important than ever now is it's good for your. It's good for you. Mm-hmm. I imagine when you're more fulfilled doing this stuff, your relationships are better. You're probably better at work, you know, because you're doing you're doing something you enjoy. Uh, maybe I don't know. Well, what would be the alternative of what would you be doing realistically if you weren't doing this? Uh, who knows? I'd have some really goofy hobby. It'd probably be some other example of this because of who you are. Some other maybe yeah, I'd be esoteric. obsessing about something else. Yeah. <laughs> no, the only thing I was gonna say I was gonna joke about relationships here because. Uh, like sometimes I'll go through like a, a phase where I'm like I'm just like laser focused like like I never watch TV or like never yeah. so like I'm laser focused on this stuff and just like I can say uh, my roommate is a very nice forgiving roommate um, sometimes things get a little messy yeah um, so, <laughs> so the, obsessive, the obsessive nature of art, <laughs> it's I'm it's, I have never met an, an artist that isn't somewhat obsessive about it mm-hmm. even, and even though you're kind of more into it less on the art side at this point, but like you, I know the idea I know about being obsessed with it. It's also what drive, what's driven you to 
learn about all this shit. Without, mm-hmm. without that obsessive nature, it would have been really easy. To, you had a lot of opportunities to walk away I from this given crazy. up so long <laughs> This is ago. a ridiculous thing oh, to get yeah. into unless you're really into the d- diving deep. There are times, like, I burn out, too. Like, it hasn't happened recently, but, like, like I started doing autochromes in, like, 2016 or something like that. And, like, this is the first year that, like, they look good. You know, maybe a little bit last year. So it can be discouraging. It's It was very discouraging because, like, I'd be working, like, man, I don't know, like, four hours, like, every single night, like, weekends, like, like doing these over and over and over, and it's failure, 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 failure. And sometimes, like, I would, like, burn out. Yeah. And I just, like, wouldn't wouldn't do any – I'd just play video games for, like, two months, you right. know? Right. But there's always this thing – there's a little nag in the back of your head, and well, it's, you like – You kind of knew you wanted to go back to it. Yeah, it's, like, but John, you didn't try this. You know, maybe that's maybe that's how you do it. That's Gollum. It's good. Yeah, yeah, look at your cameras like radiating from the closet, like, right on top of the stained floor. Dude, I think it's cool. So, so what is your next kind of vision? You're just continuing to get, try and sell these things. You'll be able to get. You're going to get feedback from those people, I imagine. Yeah, you're going to want to get feedback from those people mm-hmm. so you can improve. You know your process. Yeah. Like the biggest thing right now that's keeping me from going like full production mode, like setting up a website and and being like making these, is there like there there are some concerns with stability. Like so, like a lot of the ones I made from like like October last year, they were color. They're black and white now. Have they just been sitting out in within in lit conditions or? Not even no. They're, they've been stored properly. Yeah. It's it's a problem with like to get a little technical here. It's a problem with the gelatin just shrinking, just microns. But it's enough that the, the kind of black ma- parts, kind of mask out, it filters out the other. Yeah, so if if it shrinks a little bit, it's masking out a random color instead of the one that's supposed to, you know. Yeah. So they, they turn into black and white, still positives, still picture. So but is temperature the key thing there? I it, it or, something to do with it. There was like like a varnish I was using. I used a lot last year, and then like and you didn't know until like three months later when it like happened. You know, you see, like, the edges. i got a couple if you want to look at them. But yeah. you see, like, the edges start to lose color, and you're like, oh, no. That's just the whole thing kind of contracting. And yeah. And kind of blocking other things out. So over weeks, yeah, you just, like, you slowly lose it. That that was pretty discouraging. You definitely got to get that figured out. Or just be upfront with the people that this is a work in progress. Yeah, I think I think it's good now. But that that's why, yeah, I'm going to be like, I'm, I'm going to be like, yeah, like, this might happen. I don't know. We, without waiting three months. I don't know if it's going to occur. So, and if you don't like him, go to the other person. Oh, that's right. There is no Oof. other person. Deal with it. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> I mean, you got a really good thing going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I'd I'd love I'd love to be able to make these, and I want to make them reasonably cheap. I was going to say you don't have to necessarily. What what what's the cost of materials without your time? Uh, without time, a couple bucks a plate. But you, a couple hours of time. It's it's like hours. Yeah, I can I can crank out like twelve plates a week or something like that. Yeah, is it scalable? I'm working on it. So like I don't know if you saw there was like a video I bought like a this is so goofy I bought a conveyor belt. Yeah, it's like wait. By the way, you're working currently your nine to five is in industrial automation. Like yeah, where, programming conveyor belts. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> what I'm doing already. Yeah. So you so you just admitted to pilfering an old uh, company. No 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 no. Cut that, Jamie. Oh, cut that. <laughs> he did it. Yeah, but yeah. you're kind of combining that. You kind of just like you combine your interest in chemistry into it. You're now also taking your knowledge from your job into the, it. This is like this hot. This I, I call it a hobby, but it's like it's like encompasses like so many interests. I like programming. I, I like like you were talking about like being in a corporate environment or whatever when you're an engineer. Yeah, and I'm like lucky because I'm like the the front guy. They're like, hey John, we want you to program this machine to do this, and I'm like, okay. And that's that's like fun for me. It's enjoyable to yeah. some extent. Yeah. Are you going to? 
facilities that are setting up new systems and programming there with their with their staff and training them and all that too? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, I won't name any names here, but yeah. uh, I'm working at a certain baby food company up in Fremont. So, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, that's, I've been there for, they, they started me there like last year cause I, because uh, FZ contracts me all over the place. Right. I love it up there. It's so nice. Well, it's also nice to be able to not, to not be at home base all the time mm-hmm. to get on the road and do other stuff. Yeah. So, okay. So what are you doing with the conveyor belt? Uh, so like eventually like, so right now, oh man, I didn't even mention like these exposures are like two minutes in sunlight right now. It's ridiculously slow. It's stupid. So, and, and like the autochromes back then, they were like a second. You know. Well, were they using fla- some other lighting, um, flashes and stuff? Uh, they, Did that not help? Or? I don't know if they would have used flash. Like outdoors, would have been like a second. So like the thing is right now, like like to make this color sensitive. Once you make it color sensitive, especially sensitive to red, you can't use your lights in the dark room anymore. You can't see what you're doing. So like, <laughs> how am I going to coat these plates? If I make them like right now, I just I use like a like, really dim red light, but like my stuff's so slow that it just it doesn't affect it or affects it like negligibly. You know. Right. So I'm working on like a, a machine that'll like coat it, so I can load it in the dark and hit button, and it'll like coat it. And yeah. So I can I can start to make these faster and make these like just reasonably fast, you know. So, so is that you can can you change the the development time if you will, based on chemistry, or you know what I mean? Like why did it take why did it take a second back then and it takes 15 minutes now? It, it gets in the we can get some technical stuff here. It's actually kind of interesting. Because yeah. um, your buddy's fra- favorite element, sulfur, right? Yeah. So, like, one thing that's kind of <laughs> yeah, cool, he said preferably sulfur, preferably sulfur, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the things that it's kind of cool. So, like, their recipe, it, like, I use like a really, really, really basic recipe. It gets me like, without like all this autochrome stuff, just like a normal glass negative. It's like ISO one, maybe ISO point five or something like that. Yeah, they use like ammonia. That would help grow the crystals because the bigger these crystals are, the more likely they're going to hit by a photon, right? Right. Um, and uh, the old gelatin used to have like sulfur impurities, and they found out decades later that sulfur gets sometimes it gets incorporated in this crystal, and it makes it easier to be struck by light or not not easier. So it was actually like an incidental benefit, kind of. Yeah, they didn't even know. So like, so like their stuff was just faster. So just, can you can you work that in? Yeah, I'm working on it. Um, literally today. Uh, I shot, I'm working on it because you had a, it's like sulfur and a little bit of gold, um, gold chloride. It's really cool. It's weird. You know, like you dissolve gold in liquid. It's still like gold colored. I thought that was kind of interesting from like chemistry. So I'm, I'm working. I, I just did a batch last night. Not great, but I got it two stops faster. So like normally it would have been like a one second exposure in sunlight. And now it's like a quarter of a second. So like when you're when you're talking two minutes, two stops faster is that's thirty seconds from two minutes. Yeah, it's you know, huge. That's, that's that's a big jump. So it's it's a, that again. That's trial and error. You know, uh, like the best way to figure out to make it is like I'm shooting for ISO twenty five. I think that's the fastest as I can make it. And what what would that be like? What does that mean? ISO twenty five is still slow as hell. Like if you're like like the slowest film you can possibly buy, it'd probably be ISO twenty five. So what what would be that length of time be in sunlight? I don't know, like a tenth of a second. It's fast though, still. It's it's fast compared to what I'm doing, and it's fast compared to what the technology before you picked it back up died at. Uh, it's probably about the same. If I can get it to what they they were doing, I'll be super happy. That's awesome. That's a good goal. Yeah, achievable goal. I'm hoping. Are are you keeping lots of notes? Yeah. And you're you're publishing those too. I haven't, man. I haven't. I have a guide that I, I was working on, but like the the problem was. 
man so like i had i had success with autochromes in like december like it was like right before i left to see my parents so it was like december 21st 2017 or something like that I like I made my first one. I'm like, holy shit! I'm a, I'm officially an autochromist. This is so fucking cool. I'm the only guy now. No. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it was like it was so special. I, I was like so excited. It, it didn't even look good, like compared to what I do now. It didn't look good at all. But I was like, I was like, you can see colors. Like that's that's amazing. Yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna write a guide. Like over over winter break, I'm gonna write a guide. And then like I couldn't reproduce it. You know, and it's like I had so many things I gotten lucky when I made that. Yeah. I made three plates that night, and they were like the only three I had for like another like nine months or something like yeah, that. Dude. All those, all those little confounding accidents and things that you don't exactly it's you have no to idea what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so like I've been telling myself like I'm gonna I'm gonna write a guide. I'm like hey, I finished it. I figured it out this time. I'm gonna write a guide. So like it's been happening every year since. It's um, probably getting closer to repeatable though. I think I mean, it's obviously. getting yeah. I'm thinking I'm closer than ever right now. That's so exciting, man. I'm excited. I'm glad that you stopped in here. I, are you happy? Did you have fun talking about this stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I'd love to make. I might hit you up because um, yeah. I, I definitely I want to make like YouTube videos about these things. I would love to help with that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I think it's. I'm always inspired by when people just die, go full, full born into something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like particularly things that are just so extremely unique. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's cool. It's got such a historical element to it. It's almost like when you're going back to slow, when you're going to these slower technologies, it gives you the opportunity to kind of declutter your brain, like we talked about, and kind of get away from the modern world, like almost legitimately because you're like really doing an old technology. It seems like you're a time traveler, I guess is what I'm saying. (laughs) Like when you're doing that, do you ever put on outdated clothing and talk in line like, Like no, I don't. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, if people want to do that, that's fine. Yeah, it's like cosplay. It's usually like a little, like a lot of the, I'm in like some of the tin type groups on Facebook. I, I brought some of those by the way to show Let's it see. off. Yeah. You want to see them? Yeah. Sometimes people do that. They wear like the old hats and stuff. Actually, this one's cool as hell. Speaking of old hats. Is this, is this the one, this is a tin tone? So uh, a tin type. Why are these, no one's ever smiling. I don't know. It, it's weird. Because it took forever. Like Norman Donald said, they're probably just met, like the setup and stuff. The setup did for sure. Yeah. Maybe they were just grumpy by the time they got set up. Cause like, it wasn't like the exposure was super long. They're not blurry. No, this is actually really clear. The yeah. contrast is really good. This guy looks like a guy that coached me in football, and that looks like kind of a Matthew McConaughey. I, I literally bought it because like one of the dudes like looked like someone I knew. That's I crazy. Like, this is hilarious. Is it Jim Lyman? Uh, no, I don't know Jim. There's a kind of a rainbow effect on the outside outskirts of this. Is that just where the solution kind of? Let me see. That might. Oh, that's it. Like kind of degrading slowly. That looks kind of cool. Though. But we got a couple hundred years before it gets the whole picture, so I think we're good. <laughs> These are ones I made. Wow, this is more kind of getting closer to what feels like a normal photo. Like, yeah, Kodak, yeah, Kodak. it's like probably the closest thing I have to a normal picture. So these are types are cool. These yeah. are f- cool. I want to post these. Yeah, go ahead. So these are interesting because like this, they they call them wet plates, and the reason is like they they would like coat this plate and like it was like nitrocellulose and ether. So like this is scary. You can't do this indoors because you'll blow up. Yeah. Like they would like they would like dip it in like this uh, silver nitrate solution and be light sensitive, but it was only light sensitive for like 10 minutes while it was in there. Yeah. So like, as soon as you took it out, like you had to have a mobile dark room, you had to like pull it out, expose it drops still on it, you know, expose it, develop it right there before it dries up. Yeah. So like, these are cool as hell. This one. Yeah. That's my little sister. And it's weird. She wasn't wearing any eye stuff. It's this is one of those blue sensitive only ones like that just showed up. It's almost like this is truer than reality. 
It's crazy. Truer than your eye, maybe. Insanely high resolution on these too, because the the crystals are so small. You have like the f stop on it. It's really good. It's got. It's really interesting, man. I wish like, that... it's kind of out of focus in the background too. Like it's really cool. Yeah, it's because you got to shoot the the aperture wide open. No, know? I think, it, but it, but her the subject is very much clear, like mm-hmm. very crisp. This it's so weird because this is your little sister. I thought I even though you told me that this is something that you shot. Oh, it this like looks like old. someone from the like from the eighteen nineties. Yeah, something, just because of the again, it's the medium. Yeah, these are cool, Dude. and I would love one of the things. So like like I said, you have to have a you have to have a mobile darkroom. So like I bought like a bike trailer to do this, but then I sort of lost interest. And I never did it, but I always thought it'd be super cool to like once all the this this coronavirus stuff is over, it would be super cool to like I don't know when they're having like some sort of uh, like of, art art prize or something yeah, community events or whatever yeah. you could like yeah you could set this up and you could you'd be like 20 bucks let's do it well, yeah, there's, just health, there's, there's, there's health implications john because what if that stuff blows up and you well yeah, that's why you products. do it outside and, yeah. and you don't let anyone smoke near you i guess um <laughs> no if you're outside it's fine because it, it dissipates it gets out in the area yeah it gets out in the air super fast I, I, i'd be worried about it like bothering someone i don't think so but you can you can do because it's this is the closest you get to old processes being like Polaroids, like being instantaneous. Yeah. Because you make it and it's like fifteen minutes and you're done. Were you they do, were they doing it mobily back then, or were they bringing people into their studio into yeah. their area? Uh, well, they had studios set up to do it, but yeah. like any like so this was like the big process during the Civil War. That picture of Abraham Lincoln, same with all his general, like all that stuff. That dude had like probably a cart with all the stuff in it. Any Civil War picture, like you a see. wagon, a big wagon. Yeah, big wagon. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, they probably lit it with a lit it with a candle with a little red filter and stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. So how how do they like? You don't have to. How do they colorize those pictures? Could you colorize that? They could. Uh, yeah, if they did it before, like uh, I like I varnished these to protect them because like the silver will like tarnish. You know, yeah. you don't want that to happen. But yeah, back in the early, even as old as like the daguerreotypes, the one the the mirror ones, it's so goofy. I don't think I have any, but like they used to like touch up people's cheeks. And then do nothing else. So they're like just black and white. Like, yeah, it's weird looking. I don't know. Why'd you do that? That became kind of a popular marketing thing in the last few years where like it's a black and white thing and then there's like a yellow flower. Oh, yeah. But like they have like blush, red blush. Wedding photos and stuff. Yeah, I've (laughs) seen that. Yeah, Yeah, exact same thing almost. Have you ever seen those horrible touch up examples? That one, there's like a family that had like some, they hired a Craigslist photographer and it was, she came back and this is hilarious. It looks like she touched it up with like actual spray paint. Oh my God. Okay, so look at these. The person that they, oh, she, like, she like emailed him and said, "Well, I'm I'm kind of just learning digital touch up, but this is." <laughs> <laughs> you look zooming on their teeth; they're like little rectangles. What are they doing? <laughs> oh my god! I envision. I think that is. <laughs> I, I do think that would be cool, though. Un- unfortunately, you'd have to probably foray in a little bit into the kind of historical, like at Renaissance fairs. Mm-hmm. That would be a really cool place to bring this technology. That would be cool, yeah. you know, because then you can the people are dressed that way, and it's really te- it's technology that really is a- appropriate for what they would have been. That's there's that cool element to that. Yeah, you know, you're kind of then changing your mission a little bit. To, it's a little bit more costumey or whatever, but there's still I don't know. That, that's just an idea. There's definitely like yeah, there's something to be explored, and also I've never been to Ren Fair, so it might be a good excuse to go. I'm from Bay City, Michigan, which yeah. is not dissimilar from Cleveland in terms of our industrial background and okay. kind of you know the depression and shit that hit it. But like, we have this play, this Ren Fair called the River of Time, and. Our river in Saginaw also was on fire one time, similar to the Cleveland River. There was no Randy Newman song written about <laughs> my particular river, Saginaw River on fire. There's a red moon rising on the Cuyahoga River, rolling into Cleveland. But the River of Time is something that we went to growing up, and I kind of used to make fun of it as a kid, but now I'm like, 
That was so cool. <laughs> you know, like all this shit, you, all this, you, when you're a kid, you don't know anything, you know, yeah. you're just like, what's immediate or whatever. I go, you were already working on, in dark rooms at that age when I was making fun of River of Time. But yeah, you should check that. That'd be kind of cool. I'll hit that up. That would be cool. It may not even be in existence anymore. Dude, I think it's cool, man. I don't know what to say. Oh, I appreciate it. I have a question that I usually ask as the wrap-up question. Hit me up. We're living in fucked up times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, regardless of where you stand on anything, it's hard. It's a hard situation. We're being challenged by new stressors that we haven't been challenged by before. You're coping in a good way by doing productive stuff. A lot of people are coping by going on Facebook and wasting all their time mm-hmm. arguing with their friends and stuff. Um, but that said, it is difficult and it is tricky and it can be scary at times. For you, what may, when you jump up in the morning, how do you, what do you tell yourself or what do you do to remind yourself that, hey, things are – how do you stay hopeful? How do you stay positive? Well, yeah, things aren't great. You, you do the best you can, I guess. Um, people seem to get through things. Um, we've been through a lot of shit before. You know, it's, it's not going to stop. We're going to have a lot more shit to deal with too. And it seems like for the most part people are okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you do everything you can to to affect the change that you can, but the things that you can't, I just, just you, I guess you just let them go. Yeah, yeah, very, that's that's one hundred percent true. But for you personally, yeah, not even generally, like, what is this part of? Is this photography part of that? Uh, it's something that keeps me excited for sure. Yeah, yeah, if I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh hey, it's you know, it's the second day of making the emulsion or whatever. Yeah, or I'm gonna shoot some autochromes today. Yeah, that's cool. So have you ever had – you said you get burned out on occasion, but mm-hmm. it hasn't happened in a minute. But when you're burned out, do you discontinue stuff? Like, do you stop doing it? And when you do that, does that – do you feel kind – of, like you said, you hear a nagging, but does that kind of make you feel empty to some extent? No, it, it's the opposite of that almost. So like when I burn out, like I've lost my enjoyment in something that I, I usually love to do. And I'm not going to – keep doing it to force it or yeah. yeah and so like sometimes you just need some time to recharge i i do love to, this is like maybe this sounds goofy but this is like the greatest thing i've ever done i think it's like the the culmination of so many years of work yeah that i've done yeah. um it's very important to me and like and if i stop liking it you know that's not good it sounds goofy that i'm like oh when i burn out i just don't do anything i play video games and clean my house you know but it's like sometimes that sounds goofy but really when you look at it and think about it it's really like the most obvious thing that you should do yeah if if you're not deriving pleasure in the thing that you love like like you just gotta just gotta enjoy yourself you know right um like like take a break and do the things you like and you know it it always comes back how does it typically manifest that first time where you're like is it like hmm I'm missing, like, you know what I mean? Like, after you play video games for a couple of weeks. Yeah. What's the first thing that usually triggers you? Like, is it something like you you start to say, oh, I wonder if I should read up on this? Or, you know, do you start researching again? Do you start jumping into production again? Sometimes, yeah. It, usually it's a, it's a thought. It's like, you know, like, um, you just seen Forrest Gump? Of course. You see when he's, like, when he's running, and then finally he's like, I think I'm done running now. Yeah. I'm pretty tired. I think I'll go home now. <laughs> it's like I've like sit up from like there's like Doritos all over me and I'll sit up and I'm like it's time to do photography again <laughs> just walk out of your, yeah. your boss is like you're in the middle of a meeting <laughs> what are you doing Why, I mean yeah. we were gonna say something about the Doritos it is a work meeting but <laughs> yeah dude well, keep go, keep it rolling man yeah. and when, when you want to make some uh, YouTube videos this will be a cool space up here too like I'm gonna design it in a way that's set up for video so I'd be I'd love to be involved my kind yeah. of vision for this show 
more than I really don't have an interest in getting sponsors for the show. Really, I'm gonna throw a, like a Patreon link up, and people can give me money if they want. But mm-hmm. I don't. That's not really a big part of it. The the, the real business part of it that I want to get out of it is I want to meet people. I like right. I, I want to make something happen with you, not to like get rich off each other, but because it, it's cool. I yeah. appreciate what you're doing. Use me as a resource. I'll use you as a resource. You know. And I kind of want to form this network community of people that can make shit happen. If you need music, you know, there's 20 people that um, that have been on the show that are going to have been musicians by that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of my vision for it. And it's cool now that I've got a antiquarian photographer on my roster of potential network people. Yeah, I'll keep working on that name. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool. I think, yeah, it seems like we approach this the same or like very similarly. We're like, like, I'm not looking, I didn't do this to make money. You know, right. I did this to like because I enjoy doing it. And you, what this is, this has got to be what episode forty five or something. Yeah, like forty five. Forty five. Yeah. Like you, you clearly enjoy what you're doing. You know, it, it doesn't matter to like if you make money, that's great. But like, you there, know, yeah, there's so much other positive stuff that's coming out of it. Exactly. That isn't that that's that what's I, important to you? And at the same time, anytime there's that much positive vibe, you know, just like with your stuff, it's it's inevitable that you're going to be able to capitalize on it if you choose to, mm-hmm. because. It's authentic. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I spent a lot of time successfully selling shit that I did not care about. Yeah, yeah, You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So I know how to do that. So now it's, it's super natural and easy to sell something they care about. Just like for you. People could, are going to know when they... When you're the only person doing autochrome <laughs> plates, there's a, it, it's implied, though, that you're into it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You're yeah. not doing this as a great rich <laughs> team. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. And so I think it's just cool to see someone being authentic. It's cool to see someone using their whole background and all the stuff that... I'm sure you have moments every so often that click where you're like, this new part of this new hobby came from something that I learned when I was 12 oh, yeah, or something. yeah, for sure. I've learned so much doing this, yeah. Yeah, it's so cool. So keep writing the guide. It's cool, man. Yeah, I'll keep working on that guide coming to you in summer 2025. Yeah, summer. Tw- well, it's better. It had been thir- since 1930 since anything had been picked up on it. So even That's if true. it was 2040, <laughs> good on you, man. Good for true. you. John, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much, John, for coming on the show and sharing your extremely esoteric and specific and exciting and interesting knowledge. I mean, who would have thought an interview that featured the question, what's your favorite element, could be so fun? Speaking of fun, I have another Mitch Hedberg camera joke that I remembered when I was editing. I'm going to play that, and then it's going to go into Modest Mouse, one of John and my favorite bands. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening, everyone. Go check them out on Instagram. Go check out the Talk in the Attic on Instagram. I've got a lot of photos that will help accompany today's episode so you can kind of see what we're talking about because we did have a little show and tell. Peace out, y'all. One time a guy handed me a picture of me. He said, here's a picture of me when I was younger. Every picture is of you when you were younger. <laughs> ain't, that, ain't, that, ain't that about time someone said that? <laughs>
softer and it feels pretty soft to me and if it takes shit to make bliss well I feel pretty blissfully if life's not beautiful without the pain well I just would rather never ever even see beauty again well as life gets longer awful feels softer and it feels pretty soft to me Oh 